where we discuss female-driven films through an inclusive feminist lens with the help of the 1988 film Heathers. Paid and Puke is hosted by Jessica Baxter, Amy Green, and Christina Barr. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. We're sorting out the Daniel Smash 2022 genre bender, everything, everywhere, all at once. Starring Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Hsu, Ki Hui Kwan, Jenny Slate, and Jamie Lee Curtis. This is Wang. This is Wang. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. What's happening? Evelyn, I'm not your husband. I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyn's. Their memories, their emotions, even the skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. Wow, that's really good. He's waiting in the wings. The universe. He speaks of senseless things. Is so much bigger than you and me. Than you realize. Of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There's no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Christina Barr. I'm Annie Malone. Everything Everywhere All at Once tells the story of Evelyn, a middle-aged Chinese immigrant facing a stressful tax audit for her family's small laundry business. Evelyn finds her life tip turned upside down when a mysterious multiverse-hopping force threatens existence as we know it. As Evelyn attempts to fight back, she connects to herself in other universes and must reconcile these identities in order to save the day. Also, it's a metaphor for generational trauma. (laughs) 
<laughs> is that a good uh, description of that movie? It was. I, yeah. It was difficult to write that. <laughs> awesome. Good job. Thank you. Uh, before we get into it, I just want to give a little background on the trajectory of the film. It's probably pretty fresh in the minds of listeners at the moment because we just had the Oscar sweep, but. For posterity's sake, this little film was produced by A24 and released in theaters March 22nd, 2022. It was impossible to know what it was about from the trailer, and the mystery was intentional. The IMDb synopsis at the time just said it's about a 55-year-old Chinese woman trying to finish her taxes. The budget was $14.3 million, which is super-duper low. In contrast, Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania, their budget was $200 million. It was Kiwi Kwan's first major role in 20 years and Michelle's first leading role in a very long time since Crouching Tiger, I think. And it made back over seven times the budget at the box office and swept award season with seven out of nine Oscars that it was nominated for. (laughs) Michelle Yeoh being the first Asian woman to win Best Actress at the Academy Awards and the second woman of color ever. To win. So Not great guy. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And of course, Jamie Lee Curtis also won, and Kihui Kwan for Best Actor. And it was the first science fiction film to win Best Picture. Let's see. Oh, there's so many facts about this thing. It surpassed The Lord of the Rings Return of the King as the most awarded film ever made. And I really like this description of sort of the everything everywhere mania. Why this is such a big thing. Louis Vertel, comedy writer and Keep It podcast co-host, said, It's a Marvel fan's version of a prestige movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As we already know from the Oscar episode, we are not in agreement on this film overall. <laughs> so let's talk impressions and then lead into hot probs. Oh, fun. Yeah. Who wants to go first? I will go first, I guess, because I'm sorry. I hate this movie. <laughs> I don't think I ever watched the trailer because I went into this totally blind. It was like you and Burgos were going, you know, do you want to go see everything ever all at once with you? Sure. Literally had never heard of it and did not know anything. So it's good to know I wouldn't have known anything <laughs> through the trailer. Yeah. But the first time I was like, this is not really for me. And I was thinking it was almost over. And then the title card came up for part two. And I literally out loud, what? <laughs> So it became kind of a slog for me. And I was like, you know, that was not really for me, but whatever. And then people like loved it. You guys loved it and Matt loved it. And I wouldn't have ever thought about this movie again. It didn't stick with me especially. And then I'm like, all right, I will watch it again because we're going to podcast about it and see if I can get out of it what you guys are getting out of it. And the second time I was like, I fucking hate this movie. I still kind of wish I had not watched it the second time because I didn't like it when I was watching it the second time, but then it really stuck with me in such a bad way for like weeks after. I was just like, oh God, that movie. So made awards season, like not as enjoyable, you know? And I mean, Michelle and Kei Kwan, like great. The problem for me wasn't the acting, even though I don't like Jamie Lee Curtis. So I didn't begrudge them, their wins or their anything in the spotlight and all that. But I feel like this movie just really got under my skin. And also like the stuff they said about it, the Daniels and Michelle Yeoh on the carpet saying like, cause moms are superheroes. I'm like, <laughs> like now I'm like getting, when you said that this is like a Marvel version of a prestige movie, I'm like, all right, I see it. I'm like, why is this? called this like quirky indie thing when this is like a superhero movie, you know? I mean, obviously like the message of it and the thing that was nice, I would do laundry and taxes with you in any life or something like that, like Mm -hmm. that was nice. 
And yeah. you know, it's good to accept your gay children. I definitely <laughs> want to be clear. Yes. That all that was nice, but man, this was a rough one for me. <laughs> so that's mine. So yeah. What's your experience? Yeah, I didn't really know what it was about going into it. I wish I had seen it in the theater, but I, I saw it like on my TV, which I feel like the theater would have been the best experience. <laughs> but I really loved the relationship between Michelle Yao and her husband and with their daughter. I liked the message of it about how small and insignificant we all are. And like it has this message of being kind or like... I feel like I'm not explaining it right. I mean, I agree. It's definitely about empathy. That's a big part of it. Because everyone has these judgments at first about... I mean, even, like, what someone's going to think. Like, how Evelyn's like, I don't want to tell my dad that you're gay because he will hate that. Like, she's just assuming that he's going to hate that. And then just, like, everyone assuming what other people are going to think. And then keeping stuff inside and building resentments as a result of that. And how that kind of can explode. Yeah, I like that Evelyn sort of broke out of that mindset that was so entrenched, like this is the way things are, and her father made her feel like a disappointment, and you know, she's sort of like passing this on with her relationship with her daughter, and her life is just a constant slog of like trying to survive, and coming out of it with this newfound perspective of what matters to her and her family, and I really like that, but also I felt like it kind of hit you over the head with that message in many parts where I thought they could have been a little bit more subtle <laughs> in some ways. And then I do think it was a little long. They could have shortened it, tightened it up. I really love the relationships in it. And I think that was what really made me like it a lot was the relationships between the husband and wife and then the grandfather and the daughter and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> What really struck me about it on my first watch was definitely the parental relationship, especially the mother-daughter relationship, and to a lesser extent, the wife relationship. I kind of saw myself in those roles, both the mother and daughter and the wife, being overwhelmed with things and feeling like you're the one that's keeping everything together and no one else is helping you and getting frustrated by that. And definitely, like, when she calls her daughter, she's like, I have something to say to you, and it seems like it's going to be a touching thing. Joy, wait, please. I have something to say to you. What? You, you have to try and eat healthier. You are getting fat. Very relatable to me as a daughter that felt like a disappointment to her mother a lot of the time. And then also feeling your children pull away from you and how scary and frustrating that can be. There's just a lot in there. But I feel like the thing with this movie is that it was never meant to be this big. (laughs) It was this little indie movie. Sure, it emulates the Marvel structure. And they're like, and we put some heart in there too. But it's mostly like a really fun multiverse movie. When you analyze it and pull it apart, it has a lot of flaws that I think that no one ever expected anyone to see because they were like, you'll watch it one time and think it's fun and, and that's yeah. it. They didn't expect it to be this big thing. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh shit, yeah. I mean, I'll definitely echo the too long thing. I know they cut like at least one universe entirely, but even keeping the ones they did keep, if you have to keep them all, it just didn't have to keep going back and back and back. It's like so the... Good. 
at the end when she's going up the stairs and they just keep revisiting all the other it kind of just feels like it's too much hand-holding like we know that she's got all these powers in these different universes we remember because we just saw it and then we just saw it again and then we just saw it again we know just so much cutting back and forth it's very spoon-fed i really in general don't like this kind of thing but the part where it's like we're so little or whatever and the universe mm -hmm. is big so just be kind can we just stop fighting i know you're all fighting because you're scared and confused i'm confused too the only thing i do know is that we have to be kind please be kind especially when we don't know what's going on i felt like there was like a flashing thing on the screen like this is the message of the movie. <laughs> you know i don't know if that's like a trend now or something because there's so much constant i think part of this comes from filmmakers get so much instant reaction from the audience from twitter or whatever mm. you know? and they're not willing to just put something out there and let people interpret it however they do you know i see people getting stuff wrong so i'm gonna make sure people get what this movie is about optimizing your film for tiktok and twitter <laughs> that's real yeah it's kind of sad <laughs> that's like a consideration now i mean it shouldn't mm -hmm. be i just feel like you should yeah. have to be able to just let your work speak for itself yeah i mean i'm really turned off by that kind of thing yeah um, you know and it's annoying because it's like you know i'm not obviously i'm not like against the message yeah <laughs> i don't feel like you need to spoon feed that to your audience you know yeah yeah, I thought it was really spoon-fed. I mean, that's definitely the problem with any movie that's too long. Honestly, if you really boil it down, it's like, you give us too much information. We didn't need this because we can make the connections. Right. <laughs> we don't always need so much backstory. Yeah. Building and that, you know... You don't have to include everything you shot. Right. Or just, like, let us catch up to you. That kind of thing. I don't know how much was in this movie, but, like, sometimes people get very hung up on world building now and exposition and backstory. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can put two people on the screen and we can guess their friends. And then my other hot problem, I mean, I think why this didn't work for me is I felt like all the goofy, dumb, just, like, really juvenile stuff was just all the stuff I just said. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I can love physical humor, lowbrow humor, whatever, but I think where it really lost me for good the second time was people have to do goofy things to jump to a different universe or something. You're going to have to profess your love to Diojuan if you're jumping back. It's like eating a chapstick or switching shares. We developed an algorithm that calculates which statistically improbable action will place you in a universe on the edge of your local cluster, which then slingshots you to the desired universe. It's like he's trying to jump and land this thing up his ass and everyone else is trying to do that and it's like what is the joke here it's funny because it's up his ass i feel like their level of humor was like that you know mm -hmm. like, it's funny because it's hot dog fingers or she has to wet her pants yeah there was a lot of that like maybe if they had one of those things that would be like okay but over and over again right like it got a little repetitive yeah, I thought some of the fight scenes could have... I mean, I loved the scene. Especially, I love the part where Stephanie Hsu, she's in the golf outfit with the visor. <laughs> yeah, it kind of, like, like that reminded whole, me of, like, yeah. funny games. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, like, man. I, I mean, I'm, was... I'm sure that was intentional because there are, like, a bazillion references all over. 
place <laughs> in this movie. Which I, I guess there's maybe a little too much of that. Like, homage is one thing, but it doesn't have to be, like, a remix of it. <laughs> but that's my favorite sequence, though, is when she first shows up and walks down that hallway and has all the different changes, and she's just so fucking good. Like, she just owns that scene. Joy? Why do you look so stupid? Ma'am. You and your pig can't be here. Is it that I can't be here? Or that I'm not allowed <sighs> to be here? Hey, you're Okay. See, I can physically be here. But what you meant to say is you're not allowing me to be here. <laughs> Hands behind your back. Come on. Well, it's like women. You're gonna make me walk through you? <laughs> yeah, you can't let you do that either. You with the cat! See, I don't think you understand the meaning of that word. And then, of course, the whole turning cops into confetti and smacking them with dildo hands. I love that. Yeah, the pink hair with the Elvis costume yeah. with the security guard. I loved that. I mean, there were really great fight sequences. Like, I loved when Raymond had his leather fanny pack yeah. and he's like... That's you know, so cool. Wielding it with the security guards. That was really cool. I feel like they got all the really good fight sequences in the first part of the movie. When I think about fight sequences, I'm like, yeah, the Wayman fanny pack, which he, he did a lot of that himself. There were only a couple of shots in that sequence where it's a stunt double, which is just so fucking cool, too. I just love that he got to act in this movie and do the thing that he has been doing all this time, which is stunt coordination behind the scenes. And then the second one being Stephanie Shoes walking down the hallway. And then after that, it's all just a blur of fighting around office supplies. <laughs> so yeah, making the fight sequences tighter and more interesting. I mean, I guess, yeah, you're like, okay, the butt plug award scene. That's not a good reason to remember that. <laughs> they telegraph that when she's first in the office. Do you see these? You don't get one of these unless you've seen a lot of bullshit. Excuse my friend. I mean, they're definitely like, here's the awards. They definitely look like butt plugs. And then she holds one up. In retrospect, you're like, okay, you're really telling us that that is going to go up someone's ass later. But then it's also just so unexpected, right? These are the guys that made the farting corpse movie. The Daniel Radcliffe movie where he is a corpse that farts. And Paul Dano rides him like a dolphin and all this crazy shit. And I mean, that movie is even more juvenile and gross. But it has like a little bit of heart. And it did well. It has a cult following. But it's just so interesting that it's now this is like a Ted lasso kind of phenomenon yeah, seriously, yeah. And like, <laughs> when that other one was so fringe and then watching it again under that lens of like a ted lasso be nice whatever somehow made it seem longer because I'm, like, I'm just, like i'm watching two different movies i'm watching the action movie part and then the like the the family drama the sprinkled family around drama yeah part. i don't know okay so what i got out of it was she's chasing her daughter her daughter is like manifested as this Joe, what is it? Joe Butapaki. Joe Butapaki. Joe Butapaki. You're just making up sounds. Joe Butapaki. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like the evil darkness. She's an omniversal being with unimaginable power. 
agent of pure chaos with no real motives or desires. And so it's like she's got to defeat her own daughter because her daughter has gone to this dark side of like nothing matters and it's like nihilism or something. Yes, yeah. So I didn't really even think about everything unfolding until the last watch for the pod. It's that the Alpha Universe were the first Wayman that you see in the elevator. He's from the Alpha Universe and then... The Evelyn from that universe is dead, killed by Joby Tupaki. I've sympathized a thousand ways and a thousand worlds. And every single one, you are murdered. But she created Joby Tupaki. They both kind of realize how to exist in all the universes at the same time and then therefore become all powerful. Every version of joy is Joby Tupaki. And it drove her daughter to become a nihilist, basically. She's like, if I can do anything, nothing matters. I got bored one day when I put everything on a bagel. Everything. All my hopes and dreams, my old report cards, every breed of dog, every last personal ad on Craigslist. Sesame, poppy seed, salt. And it collapsed in on itself. Because <laughs> you see, when you really put everything on a bagel, it becomes this. The truth. What is the truth? Nothing matters. No, Joy. You don't believe that? Feels nice, doesn't it? If nothing matters, then all the pain and guilt you feel for making nothing of your life goes away. But she's also like lonely and she's traveling around trying to find, you think she's trying to kill the other Evelyn, but she's actually just wanting to talk to her. I don't know. You know why I actually built the bagel? It wasn't to destroy everything to destroy myself. I wanted to see if I went in, could I finally escape? Like actually die. At least this way. I don't have to do it alone. So she kind of like defeats Jobu Tapake by like... By like listening to her and then letting her go. Oh, kind of, yeah. Out. They have a thing where she's like, I just wanted you to see my side of things and then let me go. And so that's kind of what she does. But she has to do a lot of fighting in the meantime as well. <laughs> and it takes a really long time to get to that. And she also is like, well, do you want to come with me into nothingness? But she doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I was trying yeah. to tie it to, like you said, like with the generational trauma, Evelyn sort of reconciles that she's going to show love to her daughter and like... Well, just and stop trying to make her daughter something that she thinks she should be. Joe Budapaki was created because she was pushed too hard. Alpha Evelyn was like, I want you to find your potential. Like, go to the limits of your potential, even if you don't yeah. want to. So it's a little bit of just love me for who I am and don't make me, don't make right. me do anything, you know. So there's that. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's in there. I really just, yeah, I feel like if I were in there more subtly and in a shorter movie, we'd be cooking with gas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
But Daniels, I noticed this time around that they actually have cameos in it. Like, yeah. One of them is like the S&M. He has like that secret room and he tells Evelyn she's like a cleaner, like, yeah, go clean the room or something. Yeah. And then, like, the other Daniel is in the end. His face gets all, like, swirled up. Yeah, that was just my hot problem, like, the length of it. There's a lot of movies where it was like, that was just too long. But this is, like, it's too long and too much. So it's a little different than Cut for Time. It's more, like, Cut for Content, too, a little bit. Like, just yada, yada, yada some of the things for us. Right, right, yeah. Does anyone have any more specific hot problems? I actually kind of like the idea when they're in the universe where they're just rocks, you know, and it's like, oh, this is a universe that doesn't support life. I thought that was kind of neat, but then I thought the dialogue in it was so inane that it kind of wrecked it. (laughs) You almost got me back in a little bit. (laughs) I'm like, I'm really trying to like this movie, guys. All my hot props yeah. are written as like, I hate this dumb thing. I hate the dumb stuff. I hate the dumb <laughs> <laughs> Another hot problem is that I just don't think, I swear I would have said this anyway, even if it weren't an Oscar contention thing, but I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis was that good. Like, I thought oh. she was too much. Yes, yeah, she's very, very acting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't like that performance. I wanted her to be more subtle. I wanted her to pull back. Yeah, I thought she was a good bureaucratic <laughs> villain sort of... I definitely felt like in the first scene where they're going to the IRS and there was some talk about how this IRS agent, do you remember the beginning? She's saying like this IRS agent is really going after people in the community or something. Like I kind of took it as the Chinese business owners, Mm. like maybe she was just wielding her power like in this kind of racist way like you see in the meeting where she's really nitpicky about all of these receipts for like yeah and condescending like super condescending you can buy a karaoke machine for your business it's for your business i don't know yeah like she was being extra hard on this family and evelyn's like you always do this she made a comment about like you can see like she's about to cry you're always using these big words to try to confuse us Mm-hmm. And then Jamie Lee Curtis is doing like the mouthing and speaking loud. Like yeah. This, I thought your daughter was going to. Yeah. And, uh, I've seen that kind of white lady before in an administration. I don't know. They talk about like the immigrant experience being portrayed in this movie. I think that's like an important part of it too. Yeah. This personal story, <laughs> like you don't really get to see their experience much in film. Even if we don't charge you with fraud, we'll most certainly have to fine you for gross negligence. You're always trying to confuse us with these big words. I thought you were going to bring your daughter to help you translate. Yeah, I do think that's a huge part of the success of this movie, too. And, I mean, what that tells me is just you've got to make more movies for Asian people. (laughs) Like, the Asian representation needs to ramp way the fuck up in movies because people are gagging for it. (laughs) They will champion any movie that has it as a theme. That's definitely a big part of it. And I really... I guess I didn't like her redemption as much because her redemption is like, I extended your deadline. It's not like I'll stop targeting this small business that is in no way profiting. I'm sure you have a lot on your mind, but I cannot imagine anything mattering more than the conversation we are now having concerning your tax liability. Need I remind you that there's already a lien on your property. Repossession is well within our rights. I know. 
I am paying attention. And I know that this is very real, but it makes me so angry that the IRS would audit a small business. Yeah. Because it's like, why are there rolling in the dough that you have to... Yeah, those aren't the... Why would you do that? Yeah. (laughs) Not only do it, but do it and make them feel bad about it. Like, they're doing something wrong. They're cheating the government. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that just makes me very mad. Yeah, I didn't want her character to be redeemed. Was it was her redemption that she realized her husband had left her or something and, like, they had a moment where she knew about the divorce or something? I don't. I, I forget I what it is. There's something where she's like, he told me about something, something. I thought they had something in common about something hard they yeah. went through, and that made Jamie Lee Curtis soften her heart or whatever. I don't know. Yes, but then she's like, so you have another week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. Ugh. And then like her father, like Evelyn's father. I do like she's first flashing her whole life before her eyes. The doctor says. I'm sorry, it's a girl, you know? That's, like, the whole story. Mm -hmm. And now her dad thinks she can't finish anything she starts. That was a very hard relate to hear. Mm -hmm. She's responsible for so much, and... She really feels like she's doing it alone, but Raymond is really trying. Mm -hmm. But then she'll never be anything but a disappointment to her dad. And, like, she's sort of passing that along with her... Totally, yeah. She absolutely is, and she doesn't realize that she's doing that. Because she's just like, I'm just seeing things the way they are. Yeah. And this is another kind of hard relate for me, is being so stressed out in your world of doing everything that you don't see that, like, not everything has to be done the way you want it to be done. You can let people help you, and then don't micromanage them helping you. Like, Wayman was helping, but she was like... I hate that you brought the laundry upstairs and put googly eyes on it. And it's like, well, he's still helping. Right. I mean, it's hard for me sometimes to be like, help me clean the kitchen and then I'm going to hate how you do it. Hey, mom, why so tense? How it sort of like came up again about Raymond because she's always treating him like he doesn't know what he's doing and he thinks he's helping. And she makes some comment about, oh, I don't know how he would have survived without me. Yeah. (laughs) But then Raymond comes back and he's like, you might think I'm silly for trusting people or being kind but it's like was his strategy to survive i thought that was a nice circle back raymond didn't get much respect at the beginning of it (laughs) yeah but he ends up having to help her i mean she's still the hero but (laughs) yeah she really does need his help in every kind of in every universe (laughs) and then the one where they didn't get together and they both kind of thrived separately, but they still have this connection. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's not a hot prop. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we? Now? I might not have any more hot props. That might be it for me. Yeah, I don't have any other ones. Next call. All right. Well, then I guess we can talk about, we were a little bit, but talk about the things we liked about it. And then if we think of any other criticisms, we can bring those up as well. <laughs> And I think that it's really funny. I do think a lot of the jokes really land. (laughs) Not all of them, but I do think there's a great deal of humor in it that works. And especially Key's performance. He's so funny. Yeah, I think he's he's, great. He really knows how to deliver a a loaded comedy line. (laughs) I noticed that Evelyn's sweater in the end, it is the same as what one of the Daniels wore. Yeah. It said punk, and that was her sweater. Yeah, that was cute. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. I liked when she said, my other husband is messing up the audit. <laughs> and also, I like, I saw my life without you. I wish you could have seen it. Yes, that is really funny. <laughs> I kind of like the line when they're in the 
elevator and he's first telling her about what's going on and he's like, I'm here to tell you that every rejection, every disappointment led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. You could say that at any moment in right. time. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about it that way, that's what you have to do. Operate in the moment. <laughs> I do really like that that Evelyn is the one that can save the universe because she's the worst version of herself. Like she hasn't <laughs> found her potential in any way. Every failure here branched off into a success for another Evelyn and another life. Most people only have a few significant alternate life paths so close to them. But you, here, you're capable of anything because you're so bad at everything. When I first saw that, I was feeling pretty shitty about myself and that was kind of just like a nice like, oh, maybe I'm actually really awesome. <laughs> Even though I feel terrible. We definitely mentioned before the walk down the hall and taking out the cops and that's so great but I really like when they keep saying to her like you can't do this or you can't be here and she's like I don't think you understand the meaning of that word and then that's when she smacks him with her dildo hands. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're going to be having and then you lose me. Like, I'm like dildo hands. It's making me feel so stuck. <laughs> okay. You have dildo hands. I don't know. It's well for me it's specifically because it's a cop that she's smacking yeah, in the face with like it. I would like to see her just smack the cop with her regular hand. <laughs> Instead of being like a goofy gag, you know. Mm -hmm. But I just want to be clear, I'm not against the smacking cop hat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. For the record. I like Joy said, I'm so sorry, you're still hung up on me liking girls in this world. Like, that is really funny. <laughs> like, we're still doing this, even yeah. after everything. Yeah, through all the multiverse. You're the reason I thought that doesn't call anymore. Why she drop out of college and gets tattoos? Oh. Why she thinks she is gay? I'm so sorry. You're still hung up on the fact that I like girls in this world. The universe is so much bigger than you realize. That just feels like a comment on society in a way. Like, really, we're still being bigoted yeah. about sexuality? That's so fucking dumb, guys. <laughs> right, but I feel yeah. like this movie is also like that. Like, has a hang up on sexuality. Like, mm. I don't feel like this is a sex positive. You know, I feel like when it's like, okay, it's inherently funny because it's dildos or butt plugs or something, like, that's also a sexual hang-up. If it's like, that's the whole joke. Yeah. You know, like, you can make a joke about a butt plug or whatever, but if it's like, that's the whole joke, like, it's funny because someone sticks it up his butt, like, mm -hmm. that's a hang-up about sexuality. Sure. Like, why is that funny? Yeah. Well, Jenny Slate was really funny and like she had a very small role as a customer. <laughs> but in one of the multiverses, she's like, Does my baby want to go for a walk? And she like drop kicks her pomeranian. <laughs> she's like, kicking her dog around but then when someone else closes the refrigerator door on it she's like my baby <laughs> it's just just like back and forth of i'm hitting people smacking people with my dog but then she's like oh my god my dog <laughs> i thought it was really hilarious i want to say i know i'm being so negative but i really liked joy i liked her performance her character like i liked her whole vibe i liked her a lot yeah, that's great. No, I completely, I'm a little completely agree. <laughs>
Yeah, she's so good. And it's a great character, and I really hope that we see Stephanie Shu in a lot of stuff, too. I feel like she really made that character. I'm not sure if that character would have felt as alive in different hands. I do agree that, like, the rock dialogue is just way too much, but I do really like, in the beginning, I think it's the beginning of the scene where... They're like, what are we supposed to do here? I think it's the Joy Rock says, just be a rock. Yeah, I liked that too. Yeah. I mean, that just feels really meaningful, especially in contrast to the, I've got a million things I need to do and I have all these relationships I need to balance, but in here we could just be together. And that's like a nice way of saying be present, but without it being like a target sign, you know? (laughs) I loved it when Evelyn came back. And she goes up to her father and says, it's okay if you can't feel proud of me because I finally am. That was one of my favorite lines. And then after that, she was like, this is Becky. This is Joy's girlfriend. (laughs) It was just like a nice change. (laughs) The Rakakuni thing was a little weird, too. I was like, that's just another multiverse, I guess. You are like puppets. You know, puppets. You can do things you normally cannot do. It's like that movie. Um, that movie. Okay, what are you talking about? Rakakuni. What? Uh, Rakakuni. You know the one with the chef? And he makes bad food. And then this raccoon sit on his head. Ooh, control him. And then he cooks good food. Do you mean Ratatouille? I feel like that's a funny thing is when you remember something wrong, but like what if in some universe that's what it yes. is. Yes. Oh. I think that's like a pretty cute idea. Yeah. It is. I really like that. It, it does go on a little too long, but then it's... <laughs> but yeah, beginning, like up until the point where the, the animal control takes him away, that's like all we needed to see. A fun fact I learned is that the raccoon is voiced by Randy Newman. <laughs> like he does what? have this little silly song and it's it's actually wow. randy newman singing a randy newman-esque i really like that funny. especially because when you first hear it you're like it's with the mom getting things wrong <laughs> I really, I don't know what's going on, but somehow I feel like it's all my fault. <laughs> all day. I don't know what the heck is going on. But somehow, it feels like it's all my fault. That's just like a hard relate feeling, I guess. <laughs> I've definitely seen a lot of discourse about how this is like a very Asian mom movie. You know, if you have an Asian mom, you're going to really relate to this. But I do feel like there is a lot of universality. I mean, I'm sure there are very specific things to Chinese culture and maybe just Asian culture in general, but it really branches out to, yeah. <laughs> to motherhood, a certain kind of motherhood, right? Anybody who has a controlling and judgmental mom. Right, it's just good to talk. I mean, because, like, I believe you, like, I don't relate to virtually anything in this movie. Mm-hmm. I have a queer trans teenager, so it's like, that. I mean, obviously, I relate to the part where it's good to accept your child. But, like, it wasn't hard for me to accept that. Yeah. It's like accepting that they have brown hair was, like, not anything. You know, anybody has issues with their parents or whatever. Like, I'm not saying, like, I didn't. But not in anything that's depicted in this movie. As a mother or as a daughter. I really did not relate to virtually anything about this. Hmm. 
interesting. Yeah. yeah. Something about family. She tells Becky, you need longer hair or something. And I guess <laughs> Becky was kind of smiling when she got told that because that means Evelyn really loves you or something. Oh, yeah. That is a conversation that they have at the beginning. Becky and Joy. Joy says, like, I hope she doesn't say something terrible. Like, she calls you fat or something. And then that's when Becky's like, didn't you say that that's how she says she loves you? And I guess it is a little bit, but it's yeah. like, it's a fucked up way to say I love you. You look really pretty right now. Oh, you like this, this hot woman? <laughs> I'm just telling you now in case my mom says something dumb, like you're sat or whatever. I thought you said when she says shit like that, that means she cares. Hi, Evelyn. Mrs. Wong. Hey, Mom. I only cook enough food for three people. Now I have to cook more. That's a relate for me is like yeah. my mom my mom followed every single compliment with a criticism. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard <laughs> family members like I don't ever have anybody comment on my body or anything except thinking about it, it's been like family and it mm-hmm. I don't mean, there's something about what is it about family members that they can comment on how you look or what? Yeah, I don't know. I know. It's just it a is. weird. It's a weird thing. It is pretty weird. Yeah, we definitely need to eradicate that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's really messed up. I liked in the end with Joy, Evelyn tells her, I will always, always want to be here with you. I really love that. You are getting fat. And you never call me, even though we have a family plan. And it's free. You only visit when you need something. You got a tattoo, and I don't care if it's supposed to represent our family. You know I hate tattoos. And of all the places I could be, why would I want to be here with you? Yes, you're right. It doesn't make sense. Maybe it's like you said. Maybe there is something out there, some new discovery that will make us feel like even small pieces of shit. Something that explains why you still went looking for me through all of this mess. And why, no matter what, I still want to be here with you. Yeah. It was very just like pure. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that idea of different timelines and like every pivotal moment in your life there's a version of you that went the other way you know i think there's a lot of very sweet sentiment that i did like in this movie i mean i watched it the second time with matt and he really loved it i feel like this was the closest i could come to <laughs> loving it mm-hmm. that's something that we talk about all the time this timeline is the best timeline which i think is really sweet when he said he said some real bad stuff in this timeline I think as we met later in life, like, we think about that a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like the sentiment of this movie. I guess it's the execution of it that I totally hate. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask. If there is a movie in there that you like, if someone could edit it down per your notes, could they make something you'd like? Uh, It would be really short. (laughs) (laughs) On paper, yes you know, multiverse and here's what we want to happen. I like that idea, but all the elements that are actually in this movie is just all stuff I don't like. I like what you said about the timelines because I feel like we live multiple lives in one life, you know, and my childhood, that's like its own multiverse or something. Like I don't don't live there anymore, you know, and I feel like I have this other block of time as a young adult, which probably ended at 40 or something and I feel like I like three multiverses yeah where I'm like I'm different or I'm 
This my world's different. Where you like sort of made a decision and you know if you had made the other choice, your whole life would be completely different. You know, there's a couple things like that for me. I would have had an entirely different life. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like, oh, I took this job and not this one and it was at a different company. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like a real verge, you know. <laughs> I think about yeah. that kind of thing a lot, you know, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that is like a low-key message of this movie and there aren't that many low-key messages, but just that like <laughs> if you're not happy with the way your life is, you don't have to continue living it that way. Right. Yeah. Like you're not really stuck. I mean, there probably are people who are like to extricate them from that. It's very difficult. They would need a lot of help. But, you know, the average American family, <laughs> meaning, you know, immigrants too, like everyone who lives in America, like you can just change your life if you don't like it, do something right. else. Like it's sort of like the takeaway is that the opposite of what's depicted in this movie is the actual truth. If you're unhappy, like you don't get another chance. Maybe there's a multiverse, but you don't know that, you know, like yeah. this is your one shot. Don't spend all of it miserable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do have one more meaningful passage that I felt like it cut me in the movie <laughs> My wife confuses her hobbies for businesses. <laughs> An <Wow>. honest mistake. <laughs> yes. I was like, holy shit. Especially because like, I have to fill out a Schedule Z every year and it's always a pain in the ass and I'm always like, why do I do this? Sorry. My wife confuses her hobbies for businesses. An honest mistake. I fucking love that line. <laughs> That's not a relate for me. No. Like, I see yes, it, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we go to the lunchtime poll then? So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. You had a good phrasing, Annie, so why don't you... <laughs> <laughs> Was it just talk about a pivotal moment? Pivotal decision? Like sliding like, doors? Like a sliding doors moment, I guess? Yeah. Talk about a sliding doors moment. Talk about a sliding doors moment. <laughs> so yeah. here's what's called. <laughs> My answer would be probably making the decision to move to Seattle and leave Florida because I was feeling very stuck there. I was like 27, but it's like a college town. And once you're older than 22, there's like a different scene. It's like just this university town where I felt like I was growing out of it and I felt like there was more out there mm -hmm. and I had come to visit here. I came out here for Thanksgiving to visit my sister and my brother who were living out here and I just remember being so upset I had to go back home because mm. I just <laughs> felt like oh I have to go back home. I'm so glad I moved out here. I actually had to like force myself to just do it. I was like I'm gonna be here forever if I don't leave and mm. then I was like taking care of my mom and I was like 27 but I felt like I was like 55 oh, yeah. or something you know mm -hmm. yeah anyways I bought a one-way ticket out here and I have made a life here and I like it here a lot and I feel like it's home and I'm so thankful that I just did it you know <laughs> yeah. and then I also think about what my life would have been if I had stayed there and I don't know if things would have changed for me and now that I've been out of Florida for a long time you don't realize like when you're living in this world Florida's not uh, that great I would never live there again now it's like run by psychopaths yeah. <laughs> it's gonna sink into the ocean anyway right and, and <laughs> I kind of wonder would I have been stunted or my worldview or I don't know I wonder what I would have been like had I I've stayed there the last 20 years, but that's <laughs> fine. I'm glad I got yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to. Yeah.
what was I, like 24, 25, I don't know. There was a point in which I was living with my friend Faye for a long time and then she basically like broke up with me as a roommate and like wanted to kind of forge her own path for a while. Like we used to hang out all the time like best friends, Romeo and Michelle style. And then, you know, that's a natural thing to start moving on. And so in the process, I was like, I need a fucking hobby. I need something to do to occupy my time. And so I was just like looking through the stranger and just looking for anything that jumped out at me as something I could do as a hobby. Didn't play any instruments. <laughs> Not really an actor. But then there was the Fringe Theater Festival and they were doing Cannibal the Musical, the Trey Parker and Matt Stone college movie that they made. And I really loved that movie and musical. And they were looking for... Well, actually, I think they weren't even looking in the ad. They were just saying, come audition. And I was like, well, what if I just ask if there's anything I could do to help on it? I don't remember if it was a number or an email, but... I got in touch with them and they're like, oh, we do need a production manager. Basically, we'll run the show, but we need someone to do all the logistical shit. And I was like, that is my wheelhouse. So let's do it. And I did that. And I met a bunch of people in the theater community, including a guy that ended up being my boyfriend for the next three years. And he introduced me to basically everybody I'm friends with right now (laughs) in my life, even though I'm not with that guy anymore. Not everybody I know now, but a lot of people that I know and love and see all the time were as a result of that because he had a friend who was in a play with him and she and I got along really well and then she introduced me to this other friend who then when we made a zombie movie short film we had like a fundraiser so my friend Elise who I met through my ex invited the other friend and he brought along the man that is my husband today (laughs) so I mean there might have been other ways in which I would have met these people but like who knows you know otherwise it was just like going to Linda's every night and that's not a good way to meet people Yeah, like I just, I wasn't going to get anywhere with that kind of hobby. The hobby of just like drinking Capitol Hill. (laughs) Kind of dipping into the art scene from an administrative standpoint. Like it changed my whole goddamn life. (laughs) Yeah, and like you found people that have these same interests. It's really hard to find. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad I went last because there was something I was going to do, but I'm like, the thing I said before is really the one. So November of 2004, so it was like five months after I got married, we were in LA for Thanksgiving and we were flying the next day to London and we were going to be in Europe like all the way till New Year's. And I won't go into detail, but he made me so mad. And we were on the way to his brother's house for Thanksgiving and I was so mad that I was going to be like just let me out like I will make my way back to the hotel and to the airport and fly home like I was just (laughs) like you know what scratch this but we were flying to London the next day you know so I really was very close to like just dipping out of the whole thing and I didn't we were married for 15 years and we had two kids and my kids are for reals my favorite people in the whole world like I fucking love my kids but I also know there's like this other life where if we had split up then I probably would have gotten married again I'm like almost positive I would have gotten married again maybe had kids I mean I was only 32 and I'm sure after we sorted things out legally we would have never spoken again it would be like this anecdote you know like my first husband There was something else I was going to talk about, but that is really truly like the most sliding doors moment in my life where I know everything would have been so completely different. So I guess that one. Yeah, that is pretty big. I mean, you know, if he's listening, whatever, he knows we're divorced. Yes, (laughs) it's true. It's all facts, just facts. 
Nothing but the facts. <laughs> <laughs> no slander here. How very. I feel like I had a couple fun facts to close this out. Great pate, but I got a motor if I want to be ready for that party tonight. Obviously, if anyone has any other things they want to mention. <laughs> any plugs? <laughs> any plugs? Anyone want to plug? Plug this podcast on the podcast? <laughs> Oh, this is a fun fact for all you Blanchette heads out there. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait for this. Kate Blanchett really loves this film, and she and Michelle Yeoh really became friends during this last award season because Snubbed Movie Tar was at every one of those. And she decided that in the Sausage Finger universe that it's a Carol reference. <laughs> she was like, I've just decided that. And I just thought that was funny. That was a funny thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and then in the reality where Evelyn is a movie star, that is real footage of Michelle Yeoh on the red carpet for Crazy Rich Asians, which is cool. Oh, one other thing I really loved about, I think it's Daniel Kwan, when he accepted Best Picture, when he was on the mic, he was like, I just want to tell my kids, this is a very weird thing to be happening. You don't have to achieve this. Like, I'm still going to love you no matter what. I thought that was really cool. My incredible son, Gio, she rearranged my DNA. Every day, and it's awful and beautiful every single time. Um, if you ever watch this, I hope you know that uh, you should never have to live up to this standard. This is not normal. This is kind of crazy. I will love you no matter what. I mean, like, yeah, he's winning all this stuff, but this isn't—that's not his expectation. This isn't, yeah, this isn't what you have to do for me to love you. I mean, I he was just acknowledging like the happenstance of success in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> and I also loved that Shinert was the one who was like, by the way, drag queens don't hurt anybody. Specifically, my mom and dad, Ken and Becky, thank you for not squashing my creativity when I was making really disturbing horror films or really perverted comedy films or dressing in drag as a kid, which is a threat to nobody. Right. I just thought that was cool to put in there because when you're on the... I wish that more people did that. Use that time when everyone's watching to just say something... Yeah. Say something cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you like those guys? They seem really cool. <laughs> yeah. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to give us five stars on your preferred podcast app. If you did not enjoy it, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Jessica Baxter, Amy Green, and Christina Barr. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Blue Sky at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Paid in Puke is produced and edited by Divine Betty Media, music by Silent Partner and Jessica Baxter. Thanks for listening. You're beautiful. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.